Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. This week feels like we should have a previously on at the beginning, because you may remember, uh, this time 12 months ago, there was a certain film which had come out that we were all very excited to see, June brackets 2021, close brackets, parentheses, part one, (laughs) end parentheses. Um, And we reviewed June 1984, uh, and it wasn't great. (laughs) Uh, And we thought, you know what, we should all meet again 12 months from now and review the new June to see if it lived up to the previous film, possibly if it even beat it, if that impossible task could be achieved. So here we are, We we are reconvening. So joining me once again as our guest who hasn't seen June... It is Kate Sophia Willoughby. Hello. I'm going to be saying Dune. I'm so sorry to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try hard to say Dune, mm. but the Aussie accent. It's. 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 I'm gonna sound like June, and That's, I understand yeah. it's gonna sound like the month of June to everyone else outside of Australia. I apologize. I mean, I, I am focusing quite hard on saying Dune. Like I'm. I'm Dune. having to think about it when is, I say. Who it. can say it easily without it sounding like June? Um, I don't know. I, for some reason, would it be would it be Americans? They'd say Dune. Yeah, they would. But, they, but they'd say that starts to sound like Duna. Like, yeah. well, I don't think they have the word Duna. They don't. Which maybe is why they're fine. Maybe Scottish people like Dune. Dune. Maybe. You know, I bet there's one person in Canada going, "What about me?" Hey, eh? <laughs> like, that's my. Opinion. Yeah, I don't think the Australian accent lends itself to to pronouncing Dune no. with a D. Uh, no, which is fair enough. I actually made sure to, funnily enough, because you said the twelve months. Because we joke, I we I don't know who said it on the podcast because I don't listen to myself because mm. that's weird. Um, but I one of us was like, let's all do this again. And so I, when it came out, it was I, probably me. Yeah, maybe I actively didn't. Go, well, I mean, it wasn't a hard, you know, thing, but mm. I actively just didn't go and watch it in the cinema because mm. I was like, what if we do all watch it together? And so when you messaged us and was like have you seen the film have you not and andrew was like oh i saw it in the cinema and i was like i have not so i made sure to keep it in the the realm it was really nice of you to really change your schedule over the last year to make sure you didn't see dune i know that was really difficult i was sort of interested in maybe going to watch it in the cinema because it looked like such a cinematic thing but then i was like but what about the podcast? Uh, so well, thank thank you for your yeah. service. Is You're what we welcome. Say. I, I worked really really hard. You did. I mean, in fairness, it is a bit of a time commitment. Like you you probably got a free afternoon out of not seeing this film. Yeah, I know. I came here. It's five. It's five fifty eight now. Yeah. And um, you we normally don't do these podcasts this early mm. at night time, and it's a weekday, and you were like, oh, it's two and a half hours, mm. but that's including credits. I'm like, don't. <laughs> Don't try and diminish. We're going to be here a while. We are credits. No, but um, th- these movies are very long credits. I always, I always think it's almost three hours, and then you realise it's only like two and a half hours because then there's twenty minutes of a billion people's name going past. Got to get those true. VFX houses in there. Exactly, and you know what? That's true. Oh, full, yeah, yeah, full Absolutely. credit to them. Oh, yeah. Literally, they should be full credits. Absolutely. Though. But I mean, also in our defence, the three of us normally play a, a, a Call of Cthulhu on Tuesday nights, yeah. and because our DM's busy, we just happen to have a free night. So it's mm. not like we'd be doing... Actually, no, I would prefer to be playing Call of Cthulhu than watching this, I'm going to admit, unless yeah. the movie's really, really good. Well, it's going to be less stressful than our normal game night. Oh, 
I thought you said then this movie. Because you've seen the movie. I've seen this movie. I have indeed. Yes, having seen the movie, it <laughs> is Andrew David. Hello, Stephen. I intend to say Dune, Dune, as many different ways as possible over the course of this podcast. Thank so you. We'll, um, we'll keep a tally going, I'm sure. I look forward to, to hearing them all. Um, Andrew, you obviously saw this movie in the cinemas. Yes, I think only a couple weeks after we saw the 84 version. Mm. Yeah. Uh, in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way. Because Kate knows roughly the story of Dune, having seen 1984's Dune. What can she expect, I suppose, to see in this new version? I think this is an incredibly competent recreation of the film. And I mean that in a really... I mean that lovingly. I mean that as in watching the 1984 Dune felt like there was a lot of fun creativity thrown at the wall and nothing really stuck. And it was completely incomprehensible. This is a great way for audiences to interact with and digest the story of June. Mm. Um, I think there's so the book is there's so much in that book that you can't put on screen. Like yeah. You just can't do it in a way that isn't as we've seen before. Sitting there and uh, watching someone think their thoughts directly to camera. Mm. Um, but I think this is a I really like this film. Mm. I haven't watched it since it first came out because. Partly also because I was like, well, we're going to watch it in a couple months for the for the podcast, I assume. Um, but I, I love this film. And I think in a kind of vaguely, the most spoilery way I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it up front is, Kate, do you remember how halfway through the 1984 film, it felt like we hit a beat and then they started skipping every second scene? Yeah, 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 yeah. They get to that beat and they say, okay, we'll see you next year. Okay. Yeah, because mm. it's on multiple books. Yeah. they just Well, like... they're adapting one book into two films. Into two because films. Because yeah. they've learned from the past that you cannot adapt it into a single film and be it at all coherent. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, they looked at the 84 film and went, okay, we're going to learn from this mistake. And so, yes, this film doesn't cover the entirety of what was covered in that film. Okay, cool. Um, which is why they were very sneaky, because when this movie came out, it was just known as Dune. But then the title credit is Dune Part 1. Oh, okay. And that was when people found out properly that it had been split into two, was yep. in the cinema going, ah, oh, yes, sneaky bastards, like that kind of thing. But um, we'll, we'll see whether or not it was a, a wise decision when we watch the film. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I can't wait to see Sting. Oh, just you wait. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So much sting. Yeah. And those those uh, underpants with the uh, the big wings can't can't wait. Oh, can't wait. Okay. Well, with all that being said, it's time for us to watch Dune. So for those of you listening at home, pop in those DVDs, load up those streaming services, and colors of the world, spice up your life. Every boy and every girl, spice up your life. People of the world, spice up your life with Dune, part one. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Dune Part 1, and I'm joined once again by my special guests, Andrew David. I'm still here! And Kate Sophia Willoughby. I'm eating Maltesers and drinking tea. Sorry, not sorry. Oh yeah, uh, full uh, mastication warning for the second half of the review. 
I bought snacks for the movie and then completely forgot about them uh, until for the three hours for the th- two two and a half hours of okay. the film. <laughs> uh, so they are now out on a bowl. Um, we'll try not to chew directly into the microphone. I'm just going to get my one big slurp of tea out of the oh, way. Here we go. That sounded. That's very, all you get. It sounded very satisfying. Thank you. Yes. It was. Yeah, it's caramel and honey. And honey. And yes, for listeners like Katrina Johnson, I can only apologise, uh, but we'll try and keep chewing to a minimum. Uh, Kate. Yes. Dune Part One from 2021. That was your first time watching it. Yeah, it was my first time watching it. What did you think? Um, I mean, okay, it was better than obviously the <laughs> '80s one, mm. so that's good. Mm-hmm. The sound, like, music's great. There was, like, so when there were silences, you noticed, I think it was only once or twice. But then I was also going, if there was no music, this would be boring. As, you know, like, because hmm. uh, it's just a lot of... There was some really good, like, shots. Um, I think they managed to show the world stuff a lot better. Hmm. Like, it was still confusing, but less confusing. I think there was that period where I said, oh, okay, they're trying to do... You know, this power is in that power. While, mm. like, the last time, it was more confusing, even though there was more exposition. Yeah. So I think it's they managed to do that well. But um, I don't know how I would have done if I hadn't seen the first yeah. movie. Like, I, I, so I'm that's the worried. other... Yeah. That's the other thing, is I was like, oh, okay, that's sort of that person, I guess. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. The world building was interesting... I the um it looked great. Mm-hmm. Um they at least at least seemed a little bit more critical of the um like of like colonialism. Like obviously the book mm. is but like the film especially like, the the 84 film. The 84 mm-hmm. film plays it so straight. It pl- yes, mm. it plays it very like you are the chosen one and then that's one of the, your whole thing in the last podcast maybe at some point I don't know if it was in there. Um, you were like, no, it's about like that's the whole point. It's critiquing it, like, but the movie didn't even like yeah. get that. Yeah. Um, I I would be worried about seeing this film without having engaged in Dune in some respect beforehand. Because well, I can actually tell you that yeah. because um, uh, our friend Hawk, when oh, yes. he was talking about it, he was like, he because he hasn't read the books, he knew nothing about the thing, and he sat in the cinema and watched it, and he went this is some like white colonial bullshit pretty much <laughs> like he was just like you know and like he's also like you know he's a person of color like yeah. it's so sitting there watching it just going like cool like mm. you know this is some like last mohican dances with wolves I uh, think it's, yeah you know um and i'm like yeah and then i actually had to say well actually um <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> me, let me Andrew as a white David, person <laughs> no like i said apparently i said i haven't watched the how they've made it but mm. like i was told from the books yeah. and the whole thing is that that's the point is that they m- put those people there to create a myth so they could have power later or whatever yeah. and i'm like and that's meant to be the issue and i'm assuming maybe they'll look at that later but i you know and he was like oh okay that's good but that did not, I did not see that in this film. So I mm. think like, cause it does sort of, it still plays into this, like, cause that's the thing is you go, okay, they do mention offhand, like we put those things here and is like, yeah, you made these myths so people will follow it. But then you're like, okay, but you are having these premonitions of this girl. And I'm like, okay, so in this world, people, cause obviously there was those calculating people. Yep. So it's, so 
can he he can just see into a possible future yeah so the Benny Gesserit have been basically interbreeding all these families to make the ultimate super being and Paul has the potential to be that being essentially and so he does have premonitions to begin with and then once he gets to Dune and is like fully immersed uh, in the spice the spice unlocks that potential to a level that no one was expecting and that's why, like, as the film goes on, his premonitions get more and more complex, mm. and he gets to he sees more and more of them with different outcomes. Like he sees Jameis as a possible friend and ally and mentor before he's even met that man, and then he ends up killing him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it, it is interesting, and I, I I when I watched this film in the cinema for the first time last year, I definitely got a sense of the fact that the um, the production team uh, and the creative team had very much gone yeah let's look at this from a post-colonial standpoint like, like yeah. th- th- let's actually do this and i think like the casting was quite deliberate where it's a lot of white actors in the role of the occupiers and you get more people of color acting as the fremen and i just but want to say the very opening the people that are the people of color that are as the occupiers are all get killed though so so far the only occupying characters that have survived have been white yeah so which was also i was like yeah and it wasn't it, yeah it wasn't exclusively done that yeah. way but it, it did skew that way more with the casting it is every every what do you mean duncan <laughs> is dead the dad dead the doctor dead mm. the other uh flying other woman that the, went the, in the, the thing the doctor became fremen and i think that's a really interesting thing is, yeah, yeah yeah but she also dead yeah so far the only people that are the allies that mm. are from the from the oppressors are the two white people. Yeah. Every and other the, uh, person yeah. of and the two, every other person of color yeah. in the thing. The, the two dead. whitest people. And the, the two, two whitest, whitest people. people. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm sure you came from Oscar Isaac. Okay. Yeah. Um, but like, but that's still, that was the other thing. So it was one of those things where I was like watching it, going, okay, like I I can see that they're obviously you know trying to uh, you know they're trying to show that there's still a you know, you might see still a like more tri- like racial diversity, and it's uh, in the future because it's not about necessarily pigmentation, but about the clans that you're in. Yeah. Um, but and obviously these people live on the desert, so they're just most likely going to be inherently. I, I think it's also you know, an interesting effect still... of a lot of those. A lot of those roles are not specifically any particular race to begin with. Yeah. And they've diversified the casting choice, which is good, but also all of those people do end up dying. Yeah. So it's, a, it's an unintended consequence of that. Um, I do want to say my favorite part about this film is the thesis statement at the very beginning with Chani's initial voiceover, where she, she ends that voiceover with the line, who will our next oppressors be? Yes. Mm. And, then oh, it, yeah. and then it immediately cuts to Paul. Yes. So That's the thing. It establishes very... I mm. do like... Because they at the beginning had a lady's voice. Yeah, so it, it is Charney. It was Charney. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was... They were completely different. And I think that established that really... Oh, well. in the first film, the 84 film. Yeah, was yeah, That's her? Princess no, Irulan. That another one. That's the Emperor's daughter. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Which, again, shows a completely different perspective. Yeah. So it's like of who's telling this you know so i thought that was smart and that's the thing is that i think uh it definitely gives it faith of um of what they're trying to attempt to critique Mm. um 
and I would just be interested in seeing part two if they succeed in that. And I think that's the issue is that if you have people that have never read the books that are critical thinkers, because, you know, we know Hawk, he's a critic, you know what I mean? Like, so if uh, to, to walk away from it and go, I don't think I'm going to watch part two because that's some, like, I don't want to sit there and watch Mm. this white savior come in Mm. and do things better than the indigenous people Mm. to, you know, to be this hero, even though he's just using them because that's, even though if that story is critiquing that or it's making reference Mm. of this is not even critiquing it, just saying, this is what happens. Um, but every other movie in Hollywood has always never critiqued it. It's just done it. And I think I, there's also criticism to be to be made of a story about the white saviour from written by a a white man in the fifties. Mm. Oh, and and the efficacy yeah. of how well that story is told. Well, yeah. And this is the thing, because I, I did a little bit more research into this this time, uh, as opposed to last time when I was like, I've not seen Dune, doo-ba-doo-ba-doo. <laughs> this time I looked into it a little bit more um, to do with Frank Herbert. So Herbert began writing, or began thinking about what would become Dune in the late 50s. Um, he was um, in Oregon, uh, at the Oregon Dunes, funnily enough. Oh, well, there we go. Um, and he went, that's a great name for a book. Oh. Oregon. No, he... Um, <laughs> so he was um, he was there when the United States Department of Agriculture was attempting to use um, poverty grasses to stabilise the sand dunes. Um, so, because the sand dunes were swallowing roads and cities. And so this idea of the sand claiming what humans had built was in his head and then he drew further inspiration from uh indigenous mentors like native american mentors um that he referred to as mentors um and there were people like um one of the mentors is nicknamed indian henry uh which is how herbert referred to him um and, yeah and another guy called uh, howard hansen um his his name was probably henry martin uh, martin and hansen um were both uh, grew up on a reservation near Herbert's hometown. Mm. Um, and Herbert regularly shared his writings uh, with Hansen. Oh, sorry, the other way around. Hansen regularly shared his writing with Herbert. Mm. Uh, and Hansen told Herbert in a letter in 1958, white men are eating the earth. They're going to turn this whole planet into a wasteland just like North Africa. And that's where the concept of the whole world becoming a big dune came from. Yeah. Big from Herbert's response to that. And Herbert had a lot of interest in the superhero mystique and messiah figures. And so drawing from indigenous American storytelling from these Native Americans that he was speaking to, from his playing around with the dunes and his own interest in the idea of messiahs and chosen ones, he built dune. Essentially, they were like the key foundation points from it. And I just think it's really interesting that the first Dune movie completely missed that. Oh, <laughs> uh, entirely. And, and I think it's arguable that the reason it missed it is because of one of the things that Dune influenced, which was Star Wars. And when a studio is trying to make Dune in 1984, they just want another Star Wars. Yeah. And they're like, well, what if we make the book that inspired Star Wars that George Lucas has said? I, I was trying to make Dune, basically, in a lot of senses. That's why Tatooine is a desert planet and all of these things. But they're not looking at it from, oh, we want to make the message of this book. It's we want to make the money that we think this book would make as a film. Yes. And then when you hand it over to somebody like um, Denis Villeneuve, the director, who is 
a massive nerd <laughs> and like a massive Dune fan, Dune book fan, uh, who has proven himself on recent films like Arrival and the Blade Runner sequel, that he is someone who really respects source material and respects what has come before. Mm. It makes sense that this version of Dune is a post-colonial uh, narrative, or indeed, or indeed just a colonial narrative, but for a post-colonial lens. I also, yes. I also think it's interesting, the, the Dune books in successive order as you read them, every time you finish a book, it kind of like ends on a triumphant note with, with the hero kind of uh, succeeding in a goal, but may, like having lost something or setting something in motion. And then the next book, I, I'm halfway through the third book at the moment, I should say. Um, and they just get weirder and weirder. Yeah. Um, the next book begins with um, showing the ramifications of the heroic victory and saying, this was bad, actually, and what this person did was horrible, and here's all the knock-on effects from the horrible action. So a, a lot of what happens in Dune and the, res- the, the response to the colonialist uh, actions of Paul don't become apparent till much later, which is a problem, which is... A delayed effect, which you, you don't get to see in the books till later, and now you you don't get to see any hint of it in this first half of part of a story. So, like this first half, this one, first film is the first half of the first Dune book. So well, you, you, you don't get of, any of that. Not you don't get to see the consequences of his actions yet. Yeah, you sort of see a possible flash forward where it was very you know stormtroopery, Darth Vader mm. future vibe, um, and then you had the mom at the end looking very worried so like she smiles at her son yeah. and then he turns it back and she's like oh <laughs> <laughs> um so there are like and you, but and, and it's also this kind of thing that also gets me is i'm like how much of it of like oh you can just you're just calculating the possible futures mm. right like this is a possible outcome not that you can predict the future but because you happen to be in a position of power and privilege means that the opportunity for you to have a huge impact is higher and so, and now that you're just high on drugs, you're just seeing, I like it. It's just one of those things where I'm like, I, I, I know that in the, the sci-fi, but it, it like. What a, you are talking about is, I, I can't talk about any of it specifically, but a lot of what you're talking about is directly addressed in the second book. Yeah. And the mm. thing is, is that I feel like the, that would have to be addressed in part two somehow. Is all they would have to, because I like I don't know if they're gonna expect to get uh, Delhi, many. De- Denny Villeneuve. Yeah, I call him um, Dennis. But... <laughs> he he said he wants to do a third film adapting the second book, mm. which I think, I think is really important. The second book really wraps up the story of of Dune, the mm. first book. It really is like a, a third act to everything that happens in, yeah. in mm. the first. So we've basically seen act one of the story now. The second film, the second half of the first book is act two. And then the third book, uh, Dune Messiah, mm. is really act three. So he wants to get the three films out there. Um, but will he? But will he? And well, then, he said, and then the... he said it's too weird and he can't do any more. Yeah. And then yeah. that's just it. Is um, Dune part two is currently in production. It will yeah. be released in November 2023 is what it's scheduled. Mm. They've released some of the casting because we are getting some characters that we saw in the 84 film. We're getting like the Emperor. Sting. We're getting Sting. Because, yes, yeah, Fade... Fade Rautha. Fade's not in this film at all. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, get, you get Dave Batiste to play in the other one. Uh, uh, Beast, Raban. Yeah, Raban. 
Um, and obviously you get um, Baron Harkonnen. But yeah, we don't get Fade. We don't get the Emperor. We don't get the Princess who does the monologue at the beginning. Yeah. And they're all... They've all been cast uh, yeah. for the next film. I mean, I think, like, yeah, whether they'll get a part... I think what's... What I did like is, one, uh, cinema, like, films going to cinema and big budget films, it's it's just been monopolised over the last 15 years. Like, 20. But, like, in the mm. last 10, 15, it's gotten, like insane Mm. you know so telling even though it's not like an original story as in like you know it's it's based off a book and a well Mm. you know it's still you don't get a lot of movies now anymore that like take its time um and i did appreciate that like and or like take its time of like the long cinematic shots or there was some like the visual effects taking time to you know Make sure the visual effects are good. Mm. Like, I'm like, wow, look how great CGI is. You forget because mm. Marvel makes everything look like, you know, Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Like, you know, I, I like it's, yeah. And there was some stuff that I was like, oh, hang on. There was some stuff that I could see was, you know, I know that it logically I was like, well, that's not practical. But there was some other stuff that I went, oh, is that practical or is mm. that CGI or is that a mixture? And I think that's really smart mm. when you can't notice, like, a lot. Like, there's some really cool shots that, like, you know, when they uh, crash the plane, helicopter thing, mm. like, and you saw the sand all hitting and you go, mm. okay, well, that feels practical, but how much of that was also CGI? Yeah, the and, attention to detail really makes you, it blurs those lines, those levels, which you want. Which yeah. is what you want. And mm. I think, and so smart world being, like, I mean, yeah, those, those, um, uh, you know, um, ornithopters. Yeah, I that was so cool. I was like, that's such a cool and uh, twist on uh, aircrafts. Like sci-fi films haven't really. It's sort of gone. Oh, yeah, it's an airplane. Or, oh, mm. it's a helicopter. That actually made me go. Oh, I could see that as a future. I could see that as the next stage of the helicopter mm. yeah. plane thing. I you know, yeah. but it still felt so futuristic. And because everything like on Dune, all the technology feels practical and tactile. Yes. like uh, some of the other stuff, like the Harkonnen stuff and the the Atreides t- stuff, o- that often feels kind of sleek or modular and futuristic. Yeah. Whereas on Dune, everything has to be uh, uh, like practical and long lasting, mm-hmm. so it feels more realistic to look at. Yeah, I mean, uh, but I also like the little things of like when the Emperor went down, and of course, instead of having like a red carpet to roll out, they've just designed their runway to look really fancy and mm. i was like that like little things like that is really like the the detail of the world it felt very lived in mm. but that can also make things more confusing for people because they'll be like oh yes of course that cost a blah 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 prozax that's a real thing um <laughs> you know and you're like oh yes of course and because it's their own world but mm. when you don't know the world i'm just like that sounds like a lot. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, you know... It, 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 it is tricky, I think, to get that balance. And I think what this film does that I personally really enjoyed, whilst at the same time acknowledging it's a bit of a pain in the ass, is it doesn't stop and explain things that aren't essential to the story. So, like, you, you get explained what the Bene Jesuits are. You get explained about the importance of spice. And that gets told to you pretty much from the very beginning because it's important to the story. Yes. But some of the other terminology uh, and some of the other, um, 
like like the cost of things they use big numbers mm. and then they use like some units of measurement for those costs where it's like yeah okay i'm just gonna assume that's a lot i'm assuming it's not gonna be yeah. a lot what, what i explained to my to my housemate after we watched this and my housemate who hasn't read the books was every time someone looks at another person just imagine there's five pages of internal dialogue explaining what's happening in that moment because mm. that that is what is behind every shot of the film and I, I do really feel like this film is made for people who either already love Dune mm. or who watch this film and go, oh yeah, that was cool. I'm going to learn more about Dune and fill in the gaps because yeah. there's so much going on that even in the middle of watching it every now and again, like Steve and I would lean on and be like, so this is, this is what's happening here. Mm. And, and moving on with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I asked questions. I was like, well, I, yeah, I was like, well, yeah. just double yeah. checking. And I think that's kind of what the film's trying to do is mm. it, it's trying to get people to ask questions about what, about it without leaving them too much in the dark. Mm. And that's a crazy balance to try to, yeah. try to figure yeah. out. One, one of the few films that I think has really mastered that um, in the last 10 years was Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, I, I, I knew you were going to say yeah. that the second you yes. started discussing it. Mad Max Fury Road is very much the, um, the film that, has so much weird stuff happening in it that all feels genuine to the world but that you don't get answers for most of it and it's okay that you don't like yeah. the people on stilts in the swamp yeah. bog that they just drive past and they're only in the film for like five or six seconds i think about them every couple of months all the time just going like what are they doing what is happening in the world that that is something that exists i think about like the tattooing of like all of the the blood detailing on on the on the blood bags and yeah. just everything in that film is like it's either explained in a shot that you don't aren't paying attention to, but you can go back and look at if you care to, mm. or uh, what you're thinking about is cooler than what they could be bothered coming up with. Yeah, and I feel like what Dune does really well is, and particularly because we are comparing Dune 2021 to Dune 1984 quite a lot. Yes, we don't have. We don't see the tri- the navigators. We don't see those weird, <laughs> big whale alien. The, the the fish alien, the fish, the mutated fish people. Oh uh, yeah. We don't oh. see them, but that they, they're spoken about. Where it's like the navigators have figured out a way to travel, and you just see all the little ships going into the cone at one end, yeah, and then them all spilling out at the other end yes. and going to Arrakis because the travel isn't important. No. It's the destination in that specific sense because it's. We're setting up that Arrakis is the playground. It's the stage for this conflict between the Harkonnen and the um, Atreides, Atreides uh, House Atreides. And so that stuff about like instant space travel, we can actually say that in narration. But it also we don't need helps it. that because we also we have science fiction language now, mm. funnily mm. enough, because of star wars yeah in cinema like we go oh yeah 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 you just jump through yeah we get it like we know like you yeah. know most yeah. people it, have that language now and, so... and June, this film isn't made in a vacuum it's made in the wake of the 1984 film which a lot of people either have seen or they can reference back to and be like look at how weird this is but you have this this list mm. of stuff that you can look at they also leave themselves the option to go back to it in a sequel if it makes sense to address it yeah. in the sequels. Um, and that we'll, we'll find out, I guess. I don't know, there were some really cool shots. Like there was, I really liked the imagery again. Like, so you know how he was like, who will be on next pressure and then go straight to um, Paul. And then when the family was landing uh, of their ships after that shot, 
the way that it was angled, it they looked like bombs slowly, mm-hmm. like coming down to the ground, like the the way that it was. Yeah. And I was just like, it was aggressive. The way yeah, they even though obviously this guy was like, we've been told to come here by the emperor, and I'm coming here for peaceful stuff and it's like well are you coming here for peaceful stuff and that's, that's or the part are of the you thing. coming like, here for he, numbers he is like, a he is re- in comparison to the Harkonnens uh, Duke Leto is a great man but he is also a political manipulator and he, and wants, he understands the system yeah he's he's in that game it's it's very Game of Thrones Ian yes. it, like, and Game of seasons, Thrones owes a lot to this as well I yeah. would say those early seasons of Game of Thrones where it really did focus on those different factions yeah. it's that thing of yeah, I know we're colonizers and we're going around and we're causing a lot of people a lot of bad time. But if we don't do this, the Harkonnens are going to destroy us or one of the other houses are going and, to destroy and us. And Leto's saying, look, uh, the, the the most practical thing to do in this situation is to ally ourselves with the locals. He's not saying we're going to be the nicest people in the world. No. If we're the nicest people in the world, we'll all go away and, and leave these pla- these people be. He's like, mm. no, no, no. We need their resources. Specifically... The- Desert power. Desert power. Yeah. Multiple, multiple times. times. Yeah. And you sort of see that of like, of him going, and also comparing it when you're like, when he says, you know, we harnessed the ocean and the wind and like that. And then him going, so now we just need desert power. And when you say that, he's saying we have to use these people. And at yeah, the end. As in, because they are things, they are elements to be used. And at the end, Paul turns to his mother and he says, desert power. Yeah. He is fully bought into his father's ideals of, um, using these people to achieve his ends. Yeah. Yeah. And whether or not he develops or already has belief in the Fremen cause, in their independence, um, is like, it's a nice detail, but it's irrelevant to the wider themes of the story. Well, I mean, it goes like closer to how, well, was it the Romans? Like where they would go mm. in and they go, oh, no, nah, man, you keep your language, you keep your thing, that's totally fine. You're just like yeah. with us, though. Yeah. Or you would ally with one tribe yeah. in, to get them to kill the, the next tribe yeah. over. Yeah, so it's, that's, you know, which makes him go, I'm technically the least bad guy. Like it's yeah. one of those, you know, yeah. lesser of two evils. And that's, again, why I thought it was... Yeah, it, good that they had her voice of like he'll be the next because there's gonna it's like pretty much going look there's gonna be an oppressor yeah so who do you want or who can you mm. at least use so you can be equal yeah. so you can yeah. at least be like yeah you're here but we're on par with you not getting under your foot like yeah. and and the thing is is the lesser of two evils is still evil oh that, yeah. that, like that, that's yeah. the thing with that saying that I think people forget the other thing is is when she asks who will be the next oppressors it's entirely possible it can be the fremen. From the film's perspective, because Paul is having these visions, and we see them towards the end, of like him on a ship back on Caladan, and yep. there's like Fremen armored people like raising their weapons, and like uh, Charney's with him, and so you know it, it's entirely possible that the the next oppressors could very well be from Arrakis as opposed to coming to Arrakis, yeah, and that's really interesting to look at as well. This idea of uh, tying back into that thing that herbert was talking about um that humanity will lay waste to whatever land it is on well and it's also the thing of like it was used as they wanted to make this a paradise but then realized the resources Mm. and then just stopped it right and you sort of see that a lot of someone going well this is the right thing to do like this will help people and they go oh Mm. Which we see now, like we're seeing it now. Everyone's like, if yeah. we just go renewable, and they're like, yeah, but oil though. Oh, like you, like you know, um, uh, getting rid of a nature reserve to get to 
you know the oil or the logging within it mm. like yeah, yeah for fracking and stuff and you're yeah you see you yeah and also and, that yeah and herbert was like very like like you've talked about herbert was very environmentally um forward thinking yeah it but was, that's also the thing yeah. right is that this is something that gets like um and it was used with the whole um with the deep root system and what would have been used with the with the dunes themselves and like the sahara is that um there's always the language right about when you know they even use it about like going native and how people you know use stuff is that you see a desert and a wasteland um you see like wilderness right it's very shown as like this out there thing but it's like it's only wild because you don't know it and it's that kind of thing of thinking that something is untouched Mm -hmm. like because that's just not true like so whether like and that's um like when you have like like nature reserves now like we have like but that's not true because for like the people people that were there mm. they were cultivating it yeah on their own knowing how the system works and changing the plants and doing like here in australia um with fire stick farming like and and they look at um in north america for that comparing of keeping the sand at bay and having the deep grassroots system but that was their moved around to pick the plants and stuff so there's always been an agricultural system it's just yeah when the colonizers have come in i mean that was the issue here in perth if we're looking fun fact um they didn't realize that uh, everything was sand here and they just Mm. pulled it all they just pulled all the leaves and the the roots and the thing and they went oh there's nothing to plant soil here for our food crap we're all going to starve um and it was just because of they didn't they just had no Concept. concept of the system here of yeah. like agriculture and just went oh nothing is harvest here and it was like well no it's just because it's just a system that you don't use but nothing yeah. is wild yeah and that's also with june is that they know yeah. how to use the the sandworms or like there is water there is like a system that works it's mm. just and that lack of understanding is is also showed when uh paul has his fight with Jameis. And he doesn't understand what the cultural significance of that battle is. He yeah. doesn't know what the rules are. Uh, he doesn't check in with anyone before he like agrees to this fight. Mm. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's come into a new society and has, at this point, when he stands up to Jameis, he's decided, I have to make a man of myself here. Yeah, defend and I, my and mom. I, and yeah. I have to uh, gain power, desert power through these people. But he's making that decision with no concept of who these people are yeah. or what they stand for. And it's the same when the Fremen leader turns up and spits on the table. Yes. And it takes Duncan Idaho to explain to everyone, no, no, it's not an insult. He's giving you liquid from his water, which is so precious. I love that detail as yeah. well. And then he just spits on the table. And then, yeah, Duke Leto joins in. Yeah. Because he's like, even though he is after desert power, he is also like, all right, well, the best way for me to get this is through diplomacy as opposed to fighting them. Which yes. is what the Harkonnen were obviously doing previously. Um, it should say before we move on. Um, yeah, Frank Herbert did have some really good qualities and some bad qualities. Had some real, real, real bad ones. Oh, yeah. Real doozers. And I feel like this film does a really good job of circumnavigating a lot of them. The yeah. the eighty four film obviously had some very um, negative um, depictions of uh, homosexuality. Yes. And this film just doesn't have any or very few that are. Obvious. Nothing overt, yeah. at least. Yeah, and that could be so. Again, that's something we may see further into the books if they decide to to do that. But um, yeah, that was that was something that I did appreciate about this version of the film, where it's sort of like, okay, I'm I'm glad that they and it, it, they kind of had to. Like, I don't yeah. think they could have gotten away with no. what the '84 film did. But no, yeah. I yeah. mean, they tried to dim down the sexism as well. Still mm. there. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And no. essentially, like, Paul is the result of eugenics. Like, that that's also something to consider. Oh, yeah. Yes. Which, not good. Which, in a science fiction sense, yeah, that can be, like, something that is in the story and certainly explored. Uh, but we know that eugenics in the real world is a bad thing. And there's definitely some, like you're talking about, internalised misogyny around the fact that the, the ultimate... Um, uh, Fin- finality or the Benny Gesserit cause has to be male. Yeah. Um, from this female sect, they can't attain that power. They need a male. But also, it's it's also this thing of he's like, I had this vision, and it's just a woman. Like it's mm. just it's just a yeah. picture of a woman. I'm like, okay. But then also, you have one that like they call it. They say you know the witch is that is that you've got a woman that can control men Mm. right they have this power to control people with their voices and that is why they can't be in control because they got to be silenced but then also look how conniving they are by Mm. they might not be the ones in charge but they're the ones doing it they're pulling the strings strings. you know the whole the man's the head but the woman's the neck she chooses which direction the head turns right like that kind of shit um (laughs) but like the thing is is that's the same with him like his urge to go forward is this image of a woman and she's the one that gives him the knife and she has the blood on the hand and you know so it's this it's this kind of i have to protect my mother even though it shows she's a keen fighter and she knows what to do it's still like I got to yeah. step forward, but then also all the conniving tricksters are women, but then also they're completely silent and it's this very weird, like it's just sort of. I think there's, there's the definitely time. some um, uh, misogyny that's laced into those characters that have been written, possibly unintentionally. Mm. And there's also. Um, there is some intentionality to those characters being uh, kind of silent and taking a backseat and conniving. Mm. But yeah, a lot of it overlaps and blurs in ways where you, it's not always easy to tell what was intentional and mm. what is just a product of of the, the man and the time when it was written. Yeah, and it's yeah. yeah, and that's why I think it's it's interesting that Dune is something that is adapted uh, and has been chosen for these multiple adaptions adaptations and it's really interesting watching and listening to people who are going back and reading the books now and seeing what they think a uh, friend of the program dr sarah curtis reread all of the dune series uh in the last yes, year that's a lot yeah uh and I, I can speak on her behalf uh she hated it uh is <laughs> in like not not that they were badly written although they weren't terribly great uh from from her perspective but just the weirder they got they also got more um sexual they got more weird from what i understand the later books really a lot of them do become frank herbert basically talking directly to the viewer to, to the reader through mm-hmm. his characters in a way that is not super constructive yeah. there is an entire sequence which i haven't read the the june books but i think I've this will be from book four what you're talking about I, yeah there is an entire sequence where a female character watches a male character who i'm i'm not naming the characters just so it's not spoilers for anyone watches this character climb a mountain and is aroused by it and they are a speck in the distance climbing a mountain, but this character is aroused watching this man climb a mountain. And I'm sure there's prose reasons. I'm sure that, you know, it's like that maybe there is like a reason why that's been done. But it's things like that that really turned her off the books. And and, and indeed, it's it's not uncommon. I've heard a lot of people who've gone back and yeah. read these books going, 
ugh, there's stuff and I, it's not I, great. I, I highly recommend anyone interested in sci-fi or the Dune films in general to read the first two books. Mm. And if you want to keep going, go for it. I'm on book three. I've been on book three for like six months because it is, even at that point, it's a lot to get through and yeah. process. Why do people... You know, there are other books. Yeah, like I, I am... Mm. I, you know, I, I guess it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, yeah, I guess because he founded some, like had some mm. strong foundational stuff that people mm. use or that were inspired by. And like, obviously this film managed to create something and you're like, great. Mm. But like, there's other shit. Like but, there's yeah. other, there's other stuff now. Like, and I think that's the thing. It's like. I don't know. Like, I guess you hit that point where you're like, you know, there's other science fiction books, but written by women, written by mm -hmm. people of color that are actually yeah. good, that are really good, and they, you know, and I, I just sort of. But some people really like Frank Herbert. Some people would listen to what I've just said and gone, yeah, being aroused by a mountain, that makes perfect sense. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah true. But I, I don't know. And also, like, and again, not to belittle people, if you've discovered the June books in the last couple of years and really enjoyed them like well done that's fantastic i'm really happy for you that you found some books that you like mm. um but but yeah I, I think it is it's interesting because it has dune and frank herbert has a very significant role in the development of science fiction literature and particularly science fiction cinema uh sort of as a knock-on effect of that um but in the same way that joseph campbell is someone from the generation before uh, herbert who was massively important also massively problematic because of uh, a lot of his personal views when it came to race and things like that. Mm. It's the same with H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, yeah. you know, there, there are these these figures that, in fiction where it's like, yep, uh, they, they don't match up to what contemporary ideologies are. And sometimes it's okay because they are a product of their time. And sometimes you have to go, yeah, but no. And you, you it's, it, it's context. Yeah. And you have to sort of, take it piece by piece and that does mean engaging and reading these texts oh 100%. I, I, I think that's that's the thing is it, it might be andrew gets to the end of june 3 and goes yep that's that's enough i might not need any more after this one yeah. that's fine um and that would be perfectly fine uh, or you might be like sarah who essentially just hate read the last couple yeah uh, just but so that she had the just, receipts just to be clear yeah. first two really yeah. good yeah. really good books and i i think as can be attested to by how long we've been doing this podcast, mm. um, it's just a very interesting... It's interesting to talk about within the context of the story itself, mm. and it's interesting to talk about within the context... Uh, with, outside of the context of it, within the context of our culture. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and the story yeah. is the most powerful thing about it. I've not said Timothy Chalamet once in this whole review... Um, and I, I, do, I would like to briefly touch on the yeah, cast. Yeah, let's talk about but, the actors. But, yeah, because like normally we do get onto them pretty quickly when we do these films. But but you're going into Dune for the story and the special effects. The special effects are exemplary. They're, mm. they're some of the mm. best like special effects I have seen in science fiction cinema. Getting to see it in the cinema and seeing what just felt like those 60s and 70s book covers brought to life was incredible it was, it was beautiful and the sound and, and like the, the sound and the sound design oh, i love the sound is i think the star of the film i think yeah. the sound design is incredible the music and just yeah. how all the vehicles sound the ornithopter wings yeah God. it's beautifully done and i think the cast are pretty good yeah i think timothy chalamet is is great as uh, as paul yeah. i think he's got a pretty hard task 
to to play that character convincingly. Uh, and I think he does it quite well. I think Rebecca Ferguson is outstanding as Jessica. I think she's. I think Jessica Momoa is a really good Duncan. Yeah, he yeah. is. Oh, that was great. Yeah. yeah. Also, because I haven't read the books, and I was like, is Duncan dead? And you guys just refuse to answer. <laughs> I do. Do we want to do a spoiler corner? <sighs> yeah. Okay. Just a little little spoiler corner. If you're reading the June books, uh, maybe just don't listen to the next like two minutes. Uh, Duncan is dead for the entirety of June. Mm-hmm. In June Messiah, he is brought back as basically a resurrected, I think they call him a Gola, and, and um, it, he's brought back with all of his memory intact, but he's slightly modified, and he's basically gifted to Paul um, as a, like, hey, here's your, your, your dead friend, but we brought him back to life as a zombie. Um, but he has been programmed to betray Paul at a certain point, and everyone knows that's going to happen. So a lot of the book is also from his point of view being like, I'm this weird monster freak. Am I gonna am I gonna have to kill Paul when like the the switches flicked? Um and then he marries Paul's sister and then what? that's yeah. What? Uh, but she's not born yet. Well this is this is like twelve years in the future. So she's twelve? No. When is this? No. When <laughs> she's seventeen or eighteen. Oh, okay, so that's but, and, but but this is his second life, so he's seventeen or eighteen too, technically. He's right? he's like I don't know how old he is, but he's not <laughs> He's the age he was when he died. Yeah, Jason Momoa was in his, like, 30s. Yeah. I'm not saying it's great. (laughs) Uh, And then that doesn't go well later on, which is all I'll say. Yeah. Are you glad that you know now? I think he gets brought back, like, multiple times throughout the rest of the books. Jesus. Um, And uh, he's not happy about it a lot of the time. Mm. Cool. Spoiler corner is done. Yes. Now, welcome back. Um... I also really think Oscar Isaac does a great job as. Oh yeah, um, he did a really good job. Yeah, it's like that, that, that sort of like good dad, dead dad trope. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, um, Baron Harkonnen himself, uh, Stellan Skarsgård. I love Stellan Skarsgård. Everything yeah. is in Andor at the moment. Best character. He can do anything he wants, in my opinion. Yeah, including uh, sitting in a bath of oil covered in prosthetics, and just going. Yeah, kill them all. Kill them all. He's, yeah, just Marlon Brandoing. Yeah, he's oh. he, he's superb. It's it's a great cast. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they do a really good job. Um, yeah, honestly, I think this is a really good film. I, I think in terms of like so many elements of what it's striving to do, it achieves those goals. But I think because of the nature of the type of film that it is and the source text, it is definitely not a film for everyone. It no. is not a mass appeal film. No. It, um, to, um, you know, to quote Harry Styles, you know, it's when you realise that, like, the movie is, like, a movie. That's sort of the quote. But, you know, I think, uh, like, it is a, it's a what film. Is that, what does that mean to you, Kate? I think what... Um, Harry was trying to say mm. about June. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, no. Like I think it is. It's a. Um, it's a. It's a film. I guess when people go, oh, is this a? M-? It always sounds wanky. But you it's know, when cinema. someone it's cinema, when someone says, "Is this a movie or a film?" Mm. Um, and I think, um, I think that's what it is. And I think uh, Hollywood hasn't made these in a long time, which sort of makes me miss it. I think it was even the same with like a complete opposite effect. Um, top uh, Gun, Maverick, right? Completely opposite side of the spectrum if we're looking at like movies. But mm. at the same time, 
it was a movie. It Another was a film, film from the eighties. It was a film from the eighties. Yeah. Being done, but it was a story with effect, like of just allowing a story for characters or for visual and practical effects of just mm. like allowing you to sit and go, I'm watching a movie and it's, it's a movie and I'm just watching like, you know, and I, um, uh, from like that kind of 80s story to sort of this kind of epic grand thing from a movie that was not that in the 80s, but was sort of trying to be that, but at mm. the same time, Star Wars. I think it's like a, it's a, a return to some films that we haven't had in a long time. Yeah. Um, which was n- nice. Yeah. That also being said, I nearly at some point went, when is this thing over? <laughs> you know, so I also yeah. went, like I enjoyed it, but I also went, I did have a moment where I went, I'm exhausted. I, yeah. I, you know, so. I, I think it is a film that benefits from being watched in the cinema. Um, I, I think. Yeah. Um, it is a real cinema experience. Yeah. And um, uh, the the director was a little annoyed because obviously. Um, COVID, but, baby. Well, because of COVID, yeah. Uh, it was it was really, I think we could all say that COVID was a little bit annoying. Yeah. Um, I just couldn't help but think when they were spitting on the desk, like. That would have been such an, a nightmare to shoot <laughs> those characters openly spitting. Get the swabs in, get yeah. the alcohol swabs that? on that table. I don't. Were they filming during COVID? Mm. Oh my god! Then, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, they they production had to be stopped at points. So. There were some hefty spits. Yeah, as well. I mean that that bit may have been shot beforehand. Uh, that's the hope because the film was originally going to come out end of 2020, and then it got pushed to um, towards of, the end of 2021. Yeah. Uh, it got delayed by almost a year, but more so because. Uh, they were worried about not getting audiences in because uh, obviously the end of 2020, not a lot of people were going to the cinema. Um, and it was co-released at the same time on HBO Max, I believe, as well as in cinemas. Um, but in doing that, the film was deemed to be profitable enough to greenlight the second film because unlike a lot of films where it's a two-parter, they didn't shoot both parts at the same time. They only shot part one and knew that if there was going to be a sequel, it would have to do well enough financially. And so, even though um, the the director wasn't super keen on it being released on HBO uh, as streaming, those streaming numbers probably were what helped get it over the line for the sequel to be greenlit. So yeah, yes. Uh, would you guys like some trivia about Dune twenty twenty? Trivia me up, yeah, baby. Give it to me, boy. Okay, all of this trivia comes from IMDb. So if it's not true, don't blame me. Uh, let's talk about David Lynch, director of the previous Dune movie from nineteen eighty four. I've heard of that man. Yes. Uh, he stated that he has, quote, zero interest in June 2021, end quote. Uh, he cited that his issue with the new movie has nothing to do with uh, Denis, I'll take your pronunciation, uh, Denis Villanuevo, uh, but his own painful memories of the 1984 version. Yeah. Uh, a quote from um, Lynch is that, quote, because it was a heartache for me, it was a total failure and I didn't have final cut. I've told this story a billion times. It's not the film I wanted to make. I like certain parts of it very much, but it was a total failure for me. End quote. Yeah, yeah, I, it was I, bad, and you should feel bad. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be reminded about that at, yeah. um, every turn. Uh, the composer for this film was Hans Zimmer. Yeah, uh, who is a big fan of the novel of the novel uh, Dune, and turned down working with his usual collaborator Christopher Nolan. Yeah, that's right. He didn't do Tenet. Didn't do Tenet. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was the smart choice. That was a smart choice. Yeah. <laughs> Still haven't seen. It. Similarly, uh, Denis Villeneuve um, was the top choice to direct the James Bond film No Time to Die, but turned it down to do Dune. So I haven't seen No Time to Die. No, so. me neither. Mm. 
Uh, Hans Zimmer spent a week in the deserts of Utah alone to assimilate some of the sounds of the landscape into his thinking for the score. So artistic. That's some artist shit right there. Yeah. That's all I say about that. Good on you, Zimmerman. Mm. Get it done. Yeah. Um, but that is some real artist move. Yeah. I'm just going to the desert for a week. Uh, yeah. Just because I can. <laughs> it was actually just a burning man. Yeah. I'm just going to take some drugs and sit in the desert. Yeah. Hey, we all wish we could. Yeah. Uh, the linguistics expert, David J. Peterson, was hired to help create the Fremen language for this movie. He's most well known for helping create the Game of Thrones languages of Dothraki and Valyrian for, yeah. those, uh, for the TV show. Can I also just say the use of language, like because again, the other 80s film... Sorry, David Lynch, piece of shit. Not you, the film. Um, <laughs> uh, was that it was all like in a monologue and just going so much, but like showing the deception of how people spoke, you know, having sign language, um, a sign language Mandarin, then the fictional languages. And mm. like, I think that was really great. Yeah. 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 And I just loved the fact that you got to see how characters dealt with the fact that there was a death guard. In, in the um, ornithopter when uh, Paul and Jessica have been taken prisoner. Mm. And Jessica signs and says, he's deaf about one of the guards. So it was like, okay, well, so there's... What languages do we use where no one can detect what's happening? Because, of course, he'd be able to read sign language. Yeah. Um, but wouldn't be able to hear verbal language. And so it's like, how do we make that work? And I just thought it was such a, such a cool thing. Probably I thought it was cool because we don't see it a lot, which is uh, a shame. Uh, but yeah, it was, um, yeah, it's just lots of nice touches with this film and things that I haven't really seen in many other films, certainly not big blockbusters, no. which is um, cool to see. Uh, the plot of the full 155 minutes of this movie is uh, told in the first 98 minutes of the original Dune film. There you go. Yes. So yeah. This... And then there's another 98 minutes. Uh, from, oh. Was uh, only thirty nine minutes that's remaining. Even, that's worse. Yeah. So the re- oh yeah, it was that weird time jump? <laughs> yeah. Right, all then... the weird time jump stuff. So prepare to watch in in next year when we do get June part two. Uh, the scenes between those scenes, I guess. So it should be good fun. Uh, the final bit of trivia is also to do with Hans Zimmer. This is very Zimmer heavy uh, trivia. Um, the score was recorded by Hans Zimmer during lockdown for COVID nineteen. Uh, Zimmer's team turned his sitting room into a studio, which was next to his daughter's bedroom. Uh, he recalls, quote, She will tell everybody that she suffers from bagpipe PTSD because it's 5.30 in the morning and I'm still blasting away and the whole house is shaking, end quote. <laughs> I, yeah, those bagpipes, that really threw me, but I loved it. Yeah. Such a good attention to detail on that. And I, I just, I do love the image of being like, well, I've decided I'm using bagpipes and I need to get these bagpipes pieces sorted by tomorrow i'm so we are just doing bagpipes tonight and i I'm, yeah. i apologize to you and the rest of the family yeah a bagpipe all-nighter is not a good <laughs> I, thing I, but also it i guess the bagpipes again because we're saying for like the instruments a really weird choice but a good choice mm. an unconventional choice which i also liked and then i went well this also makes sense because like say on an island on that planet like beating rhythm attracts like those worms yeah. right anyway like so they probably don't do a lot of drumming on that planet but you're looking at theirs mm. and then so i was like it's cool to go against like a drum thing yeah and then the it's, bagpi- a, it's cool yeah. to go against like a trumpet thing or you know like i said you know most of sci-fi always goes for just sort of a 
Asian, Pan Asian, something mm. or brass. If or, you're like the yeah, Star Wars if they're Star Wars, yeah, they'll go for like English sort of like. Bagpipes feel very traditional yeah. in a way that grounds the Atreides as an ancient house with yeah. a long history. And, yes. and and if the sandworms are attracted to rhythm. The bagpipes have got the least rhythm of any instrument. Exactly. So it makes sense. Drive them away. It makes yeah. sense. And also, I was like, when, when they were battling, I went, because I did say that when I was like, oh, yes, the, it's like the, the, the Scottish. Like, they had like that, because they did have that kind of, that yeah, that weird blend of like, oh, yeah, we're more of like this Celtic group. And then the other groups are sort of like, you know like ragtag infantry versus like a well-oiled military yeah, machine but yeah. like they're great fighters and the bagpipes so kicked in when like uh gurney as played by josh brolin yeah. just like come on boys and it was like Brrr. there was no major yeah and they just sort of went for it and i was like yeah. oh you guys are gonna lose and like yeah. you know and i was like <laughs> like the scottish there like not that they always lose very good fighters like but that's the kind of like I don't want to offend you, it's Scottish No, but, but, but in terms of cinema language, uh, yeah, like it, when we think bagpipes, we think away. films like Braveheart. Yeah, and where you were, the Scottish ones. You were, they lost, like it, yeah. but also <coughs> bravely. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it is that kind of, yeah, like, uh, I think, so it used cinematic language really well, I think, to establish, yeah, mm. their characters. It made them feel, and also like their landscape, like going from that, cold like with the ocean and the and the breeze and that kind of where the bagpipes have that whistling in the sort of air which sort of matches the environment yeah it's a very highland setting it's a highland setting so Mm. then to then be have these bagpipes in this dry like where it just doesn't feel like it belongs because air same thing when he goes you're breathing in the air straight away it's like you'll choke because of all the sand Mm. and this instrument is all about inhale like inhaling and you know yeah. so this instrument actually would have been a just shows a how to play for this yeah. musician underprepared they are for this planet yeah which i think was really smart like so it showed a lot about how out of place having that instrument yeah. just showed how out of place they that were. one detail has so much information rolled into it it's great yeah. Yeah. um which i just thought which again like so there are parts Cinema. that i really yeah there are some parts that i really liked about this film but there's mm. other parts that i was like oh okay um but i guess it, yeah which is yeah mm. but for that one section that you really enjoyed with the bagpipes just feel for uh zoe zimmer bridget zimmer annabelle oh, zimmer I'm, and jake zimmer Hans zimmer's children who you know what if, if they were all there in lockdown it's like we're in lockdown we don't know what's going to happen at least i can get some sleep because it's nighttime, and then you just hear bagpipes as loud as possible <sighs> it would be the worst but then also i feel like he has so much money. They're probably okay. They're fine. Like, it's yeah, one of those, I'm like, yeah, oh. Think of the inheritance as they do. Yeah, it's like, in fancy sheets. Like, you know, I'm just like, oh, it'd be shit, but like, yeah. you're fine. Like, you yeah. were doing probably lockdown in a really nice house. Yeah. <laughs> like, a nice house filled with bagpipe filled music. Filled to the brim and, with And bagpipes. then, like, whatever, Christopher Nolan rings him up and goes, hey, uh, can you do that one sound that you always do? Oh, you mean, Bwah! Like, the, the amount yeah. of times they've probably heard that noise growing up. I know. Yeah. I wish there was less of that in there, but it was a version of it. He loves yeah. bass. It's kind of ongoing rumbling rather than, like, mm. c- constant, yeah. like, Yeah, which is blaring. a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. You're like, you do hear the one or two silences, but it is... A lot. A lot. Yeah. I could, if somebody was... If you're bad with... Or if you have, like, any audio, like, sensitivity... 
you mm. will not enjoy it. Like, yeah. I think it's just like, if you got, yeah, uh, yeah. It's... Also, if you don't like giant sandworms. No, uh, yeah, those were creepy. They were really, mm. I thought, amazingly designed, but amazing in the sense that I really didn't like them. You don't yeah. want to be around those guys. No, they look yeah. like hairy, Shai is scary. hairy assholes. That's what they were. <laughs> yeah. um, but also, they it did a good job of going, oh, these look scary, but... It's because you don't know them. Mm. Like, and I think that's what's worked really well. I was like, well, no, they're just following a beat because that's clearly how they communicate. And mm. like, obviously the people there know how to just ride them and be chill. And I'm like, they're just consuming, not because they're like, I'm going to eat you. It's just, that's it's a sound. Do. It's just they're like, in the a, desert. they're what, in the desert. They've just they opened, eat? it's the, it's, a, it's the equivalent of like, um, you know, that whale shark. It's just opening its mouth. Yeah. And if you get sucked in, it's not going, I'm going to eat you. It just it's just opened its mouth. It's yeah. I think it so it did a good job of like while the eighties movie it was like, Look at this evil it's mm. out it's it's out there to kill Paul. Oh, mm. look at like, you know, in the very same scene of like that kind of like yeah. blah. Well this one it was just like it was sort of staring down at him, but it, it felt more like a oh hey. It's much more animalistic and like yeah. ethereal in a way. Yeah. Whereas yes. like the, it, the it, one in 84 is much more Jaws. Of like a, yeah, That's like a like, predator. That one was like, this is Jaws. While this one actually showed what a real shark would have been like of yeah. going, yeah. oh, hey. It's part uh, of the environment and yeah. they're in this creature's natural environment yeah. and you're going to get eaten if you don't. If and it's careful. not doing it to be evil. It's just, it's just living its life. Yeah. Like, and I think that, so it made it quite majestic, I yeah. think. So when you saw the riding at the end, which I thought was very smart to show it at the end. Um, mm. Oh, the Fremen was, on the back. Yeah, thing, I thought yeah. that was very cool. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know how to. Yeah. Anyway, will you watch June Part Two with you guys? <laughs> okay, okay. <couple laughs> like of, I, I yeah, don't know. Like I don't know if I'd watch. Like that's the thing. I enjoyed it, but I, I don't. Yeah, I'm having very weird feeling. Like it's like I enjoyed it, and I like the world. Yeah. Okay. I'm sort of where you were trying to win me over when we watched the '80s whatever one mm. where i was like what a piece of shit and you're like no but the world though mm. and i'm sort of here where i'm like i enjoyed the movie i've talked about it a lot mm. and there's people that probably loved this film that are like this bitch doesn't know what the <laughs> f- she's talking about <laughs> she's not even listing things correctly why is she so obsessed with those bagpipes um mm. stop eating maltesers um, they're very critical i i, I find the I, audience to be lovely yeah they, they, okay. they, I, I think i know i think they're probably like no okay you've got some good points yeah just don't masticate into the microphone please like that hey it's healthy and natural <laughs> to <laughs> masticate okay low-hanging yeah. fruit um but women do it too uh, <laughs> we all masticate we and it's okay masticate. yeah uh, um but yeah i don't know well it's time to score the film uh, and because it was your first time, Kate, you do get to go first. What score would you give Dune twenty twenty one out of ten? Hey, do you have our eighty four? I do. Scores? Oh, okay. can you tell us our eighty four? Because are you going to tell us afterwards? Mm. Oh no, you don't have it with you right now. Do no, you? no, I've got them. I, I can turn to them right now. Because I feel like we gave the worst. I feel like even you were like, "This is the worst score I've ever given." And I'm going off memory because again, I yeah. don't listen back to myself because that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. Um, I can tell you that uh, June 1984, Sorry, I'll, I'll, uh, Kate... <laughs> I masticated on purpose. I apologise. Uh, Kate, you gave the June 1984 film two and a half out of ten. Oh, that's like even just... lower than I thought you were going to give. I was literally about to go, that was high. I should yeah. have given that like a... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, what would you give this one, though? Okay. Well, comparatively... Mm. Three... St- no. Um, <laughs> um, no. Okay. Comparing to the first one... It's like day and night. Hmm. 
six. Six. Yeah. Yeah. That's that was my gut. That's where Gotta it went. Gotta trust your gut. Gotta trust yep. your gut. All right. What about you, Andrew? Uh, I think I'm gonna have to give it say eight out of ten. Uh, bloodied Chris knives. Yeah, there was probably about that many in the film. Mm, thereabouts. I can tell you gave the uh, first June film uh, back in 84 three out of ten. Okay, no, I mean, yeah. you should have given it three. Why yeah. did you give it... What did you give? Uh, well, I gave June 1984 two out of ten. I actually okay. gave it a lower wow. score than you. Um, it's... Why did I give it two and a half? Did you say something... <laughs> I, I don't think I have happen? any sway over your opinion. That seems weird. Was it because it was so bad it was good? Was it no. maybe production was design? It, was there some stuff that made me go, oh, ha ha? Oh, maybe. Maybe I'll give it a half because maybe it's... it was because of uh, Sting. Sting. Maybe Sting's maybe. underpants give at least one I star. Yeah, I haven't listened. Think no. Sting's underpants, uh, production design in general. Mm. Um... Sting's underpants again. Sting, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the back of Sting's underpants. Yeah, which get a yeah. half mark. Him staring at the moon, screaming, my father. Father's the sleeper has awakened. Yeah, yeah, that was. Oh my god. Yeah, look, this this is a much better version. This of has some that great story. quotes. Yeah. I will say the first half has some great about the dreaming. Yeah, it's like when mm-hmm. he, when the guy. You do all your living when you're awake. Yeah, well, yeah. All everything important happens when you're awake. I also love. Um, uh, why do we have to do a ceremony if all of this is predetermined? Which is. True of everything in the film, basically. But also, like, he goes, how much did this cost? Like, and that's the yeah. thing. It's like mm. so much money was, like, so much money just to put a seal, just to be fancy looking. It's like, why? this? And, is... and the next time they give an exact number, or not even an exact number, but the, the next bit that uh, stands out to me when talking about money is when the Baron is saying, do you know how much money I spent to kill the Atreides? Mm. Now we need to make all that back. So everyone spending money is doing it for, like, stupid reasons. Yeah. Um... I think this is a really good adaptation of the book. I think it benefits from having a bad adaptation uh, that you can reflect on it with. I do think the film, watching it this time in a more domestic setting, um, is a little bit longer than it is interesting. Yeah. I I think that there could have been a little bit more tightening up, but then do you lose some of the immersion by doing that? I think it's a really difficult one to balance. Uh, But I had a great time. I had a great Mm. time with it. I think it's a really stunning film in terms of visuals and, and sound design um and i'm i'm looking forward to seeing what they do with the second film uh, i'm really curious to see what what they how they choose to depict uh what is to come um so ah oh, look i'm gonna give it um i'm gonna give it seven and a half thumps out of ten <laughs> just seven and a half thumpers just dun, 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 just just going off like that because it was um it was good. It was it was probably better than good, but I, I don't think it's quite at the like truly great level. And it's so hard when you're only got half a story. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, yeah, looking at my notes, I didn't take that many notes, only just over a page, which is unusual. Normally, most films are like a two, three pages because not a lot really happens in terms of plot. It's more about how the film feels and how it chooses to depict things. And maybe there's just one too many... Uh, reflections of bull and matador imagery for me in this one. Oh yeah there was a lot of that and it was like i get why they're doing it i get you know obviously the, the grandfather was killed by a bull and that it's you know emblematic of house atreides and they're like and they're welcoming in the danger yeah they welcome the danger and they're they gonna show pay off, for it they flourish but there is a price to pay yep. like yeah i get it you didn't need to show it so many times though um but but then again that's a personal thing um it may be that some people really love it 
uh, that's that's okay. And yeah, again, great effects. I really don't like the gimp spider, but at the same time, I think it's... <laughs> that was you're so not meant random. To. Yes, was... it is very random and it's, it's not in the books, but Question, it's so creepy. Is it, it's just like a spider or is it a person, it, it's like it a, a person it's in a, a suit? It's a person that has been made into a spider. Because the Harkonnens are bad people. Mm. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. I saw, oh. Yeah. And it was all hands as well. All I hands. noticed the hands, but I didn't realise it was a person turned into a gimpy spider. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, then that's f- I just thought it was like... <laughs> and they're just keeping it as a pet. I just thought it was like an alien. Like, I just thought, oh, it's like an alien pet. Mm. No. No, I must have missed a... I must have looked down it, when it was... It's very quick. And when it's it was gone. Clearly... And it's just... There's a lot happening. There's a, too many fingers, too many hands. And it, you, yeah. can, you kind of gloss over it. Yeah. So yeah, maybe maybe seven and a half gimp spiders actually yeah. would be better. <laughs> you would want seven and a half gimp spiders. Uh, yeah, I would like them out of here because that's <laughs> scary. Uh, but We're not here to f- gimp spiders. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, that brings us to the end of this review of Dune uh, twenty twenty one. Andrew and Kate, thank you so much for joining me again to talk about Dune. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you. I'm really Hope glad we that can... I didn't want to stab my eyes out. When they release another one in thirty years, mm. we'll do the next Dune then. Well, I mean, the next next June. Well, that too, but is, the next remake as well. I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, you know, June, this time the next year, June part two will come out. Yeah. We could all go see it together. Maybe just do a special episode where we oh, talk we about it. That'd be yeah. very cool. Yeah, we could I'm go down. to the movies. Yeah. yeah. All Get go to the movies. Some Maltesers. Watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll remember to have the Maltesers out when yeah. the movie starts, as yeah. opposed yeah. to leaving them in the fridge like an idiot but Watch yeah them. get some gold cloth be yeah. fancy fancy that'd be all good oh yeah we'll try and make it a patreon level where, <laughs> where people can pay to send us to the movies you pay us to go <laughs> and we'll tell you how great it was and in exchange we'll eat the maltesers before we're on mic yeah it's, it's more of a threat that we're doing I guess. <laughs> like if you don't we're gonna eat on on mic watch yeah. out yeah um but yes we do have a patreon dear listeners there isn't an official um send us all to gold class level but i may i may have to tweak it i, I hadn't considered that as an option but here's the thing though i'm yeah. gonna throw this out there to listeners if they do do this mm-hmm. if they say here's money for a gold class but it's for this movie and it's like Trash film. Like, I'm just like, I'm saying, like, mm. if they're like, oh, here it is for Transformers 12, and we'll be like, well, you paid for gold class, I guess we're watching it. I wouldn't mind that. Okay. Um, because it's torture for us. But we're, we're comfortable while being tortured. <laughs> we're comfortable yeah. while being. Yeah. We can order a cup of tea 45 minutes into the film. Yes. And, uh, and go, what a piece of shit. All um, right. Yeah, and have someone to thank for it at the end. You know? Well, if if you want to find out if that Patreon level uh, exists, uh, join up now, uh, dear listener. Just go to patreon.com forward slash podcast. Uh, you do get bonus goodies and extras as part of the Patreon. It's entirely possible you may get um, gold class... Uh, gold class... What's, what's what the word for bad it? class? Like, it would have to be like... Virgin? Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, that only works for if you know Australian Airlines or else I've just said the word virgin. Um, uh, brown class? Yeah, brown yeah. class? Yeah, we'll do a gold class, brown class movie experience where yeah. we watch a terrible movie in opulent circumstances. Um, yeah. yeah, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll try that. What about that. brass class? Oh, no, that sounds fancy. Okay. <laughs> it's what about what's that, what's that crappy sh- silver, you know, that you put on your finger and then it gets green? Copper. No, 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 no. Like it's the... Is that what they copper. make? Yeah, it's made of copper. Yeah, with the jewelry, but they, they say just, it's they silver. Just, they just put a uh, a layer on top. Mm. Oh, underneath it's copper. Well, then yeah, copper class. Yeah, 
You want it? Sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> we'll workshop the name. But I don't know. We, we should workshop it. it. Yeah. We should workshop it. Um, yeah. Hoity toity cinema. I don't know. Well, we'll figure out something. Yeah. Uh, we do also have <laughs> the shit list. <laughs> We're on your shit list. Yeah. Um, yeah. Excellent. Sorry. No, no, it's good. Um, we have a Facebook page. Uh, we can be found over at facebook.com forward slash CCUC podcast or just search for the Cinema Catch Up Club. Uh, you can get news and updates there. And finally, subscribe uh, there's a new episode each and every week and if you subscribe it will turn up on your device or podcast player of choice itunes soundcloud spotify are all services that i would recommend because i know they work uh, there are others out there as well so just search for the cinema catch-up club there and you'll get new episodes each and every week but that is all for this week so until next time bless the maker and his water bless the coming and going of him May his passage cleanse the world. May he keep the world for his people. Om nom 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 nom. The sleeper has awakened! You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.